What's up, Kyle? How's it going, Mike? Yeah, how you doing? How's the arm? Good. I mean, it. I'm still in the sling right now. Um, I have about two weeks, I think, four weeks in the sling, and then I come out of it. And what was the final verdict? What you, would you hurt? So I dislocated it and tore my rotator cuff. This time Eight. it was the back part of the rotator cuff, and then bicep tendon and labrum. So. So that's a that's a good little injury. Yeah, it's a good one. So the rotator cuff yeah. is the worst part of it. Just a little, no, a little longer to, you know, strengthen that back up. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get mine mine done. My left arm. Too many uh swings and misses. So like I can't lift my arm like past here. It's and it's like you can survive, but once it starts affecting my golf game, then I'm like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't care. I, like, I don't put the dishes away. So it's great. It gets me off of dish duty. Like I can't lift that up there, but golf then I'm like, all right, I got to fix it. I'm with you. You know what? I'll, I'll say my golf game. I've got, I've gotten better at golf over the last probably few years, mostly because every injury I'm forced to like have to adjust my golf game in order to, yeah, be able to yeah. play with the injury. Like I broke my ankle. I was playing when I couldn't bear weight on it. I would just like hop up and I just learned how to drive yeah. the ball through on my left leg. <laughs> you got to make more men like you. <laughs> we wouldn't do it. So I'm excited to be on here. This is cool. I yeah, told Vinny, I'm like, I'm going to have more questions for him than he's going to have for me. Man, I don't, I don't Hey, you've done it for for a minute. How long did you play professionally for? So I got drafted 2010, and then I played till uh, 2019. 2019, and you played for what three teams? So I played for three teams in the big leagues, and then Texas Cubs, White Sox, Padres, Red Sox, Twins. That's it. That's it. A lot of it again. Yeah. What's the so? I'm curious because like from. A fan's perspective, you know, like when I watch baseball, I'm a Cardinals fan, always have been, you know, die hard. And so you have the rivalries like Chicago and but as a player, you know, going through the organizations, you've gone through so many different organizations. Do you still like when you competed, did you still have those rivalries or how did that really in reality? What was like that like? Because you're you're changing teams quite often. Yeah, you're right. And everyone asks me, like, who's my favorite team? Like, it starts there. I was a Red I was a Yankee fan, like, through and through, my whole family. But as I got drafted and started understanding baseball, the game, how it works, I really more started cheering for certain players. Like, I became almost more of a Red Sox fan than I was a Yankee fan. <laughs> and, and my wife works for the Yankees, so, like, now I'm back to, like, on the Yankee train. But – um, like the rivalries were always so interesting and so different. Like, I don't think the Yankee Red Sox rivalry is the same as it was when I was watching. I think um, the Cubs had a rivalry with uh, St. Louis. Yep. The Rangers had a rivalry with Houston Astros. That that was a big one. Um, other than that, the White Sox, like you would think their rival is with the Cubs, but the Cubs at that point, because the White Sox hadn't been doing well, it's almost like the fan base shifted to like there are bigger coming <laughs> up. But um, when you get in a rival game, it's it's something that words can't describe. Kind of the feeling, especially when you come out on top, it's the lot. It's a full on party in the locker room. It's a full on party in the stadium. It's a full on party in the bars afterwards. So it's yeah. it's a fun time. Yeah, probably the atmosphere, even when you're playing. Cause baseball's 
unique in the fact that you play so many games a year. It's crazy. You got to think like, I know as a competitor, when I'm competing all the time, you know, each day, like if I'm going on a summer run and I'm gone, you know, and I'm riding, you know, 18 days out of 25, you know, after like towards the end of it, you get in such a like numb, almost you're numb to almost everything because you're just in the rhythm of the season. Um, Absolutely. Does like, you know, the rivalries, did the timing of the year, did that impact what that, yeah. like what you experienced or was it pretty, like what, at times did that kind of give you, maybe if you're going through the, you know, the dog days of summer yeah. and you go into one of those rivalries, it may actually help you kind of re, re-energize you a little bit. It really does. And it's like funny because, you know, 162 games in about 180 days. Uh, there was uh, probably 80% of the time I didn't know what day we were on because it was just like every day is the same. <laughs> every day I got, okay, we have pretty much four night games, five night games a week. And then I have on the weekend, usually a day game and there might be one day game mixed in. So like every day I was just happy if I knew what month we were in, like, <laughs> and which is, which is you get used to it. And to be honest with you, I think like the biggest thing in the real world, like the business world is, I always had a set routine. I crave having like, I wake up, I do this, I eat this, I go to the cage this time, I hit BP, I do my ground ball. Like it's just a routine. Mm-hmm. So in the business world, you're always thrown off with routines and and I'm always trying to like really in my brain come up with something. Okay, this for this next two weeks, things are going to be a little different. So I have to come up with a different routine, which is, I guess, fun. Um, I, I'm still getting used to that. But when it comes to like those routines in the dog days, it the weekend series when you get a night game against a rival, you're definitely feeling some different feelings, and it's it, you need that every once in a while. Yeah. I, their schedules are pretty much, I mean, I know they're set in stone, but I think they do a lot of research on that. Like at the end of the series, like when it's not right. September, it's like August, so the games still mean something. But we still have a whole month of well, I'm five games up or I'm three games up and, and now we need to win this and they need to lose. So you still play with that a little bit, but as a baseball player, you, anything with bright lights and, and a, a meaningful game will recharge you at, at no, no cost. Do you, so that's, that's intriguing to me. Like when you talk about games ahead, games back where you're at in the season, did you pay attention to that very much and how many people don't in bull riding just as a context. So yeah. in bull riding, like some guys will study bulls be like, okay, we're facing this bull. And then some guys are super reactive. They don't care who they're facing. They don't care what the bull's going to do. It's just like what's in front of me type of a deal. Some guys like will pay attention on the weekends to like how many bulls they have, what place they're in. Some guys yeah. don't care. Yeah, I mean, it's – listen, on good teams that I've been on, you don't focus on it, right? Your your only focus is winning that game. And, and that comes from the leadership above. Like those guys have been there, done that, like – but there's stuff all around the stadium. Like everywhere you look, there's standings like for fans to see. So it's not like we don't we're oblivious to it, but at the same time, I think we're, it's so in, in like, it's so grilled in our brain to understand, like we still have 40 games left. We still have so much can happen. We have to stay focused when this game. So I think we, depending on team wise, you do a really good job of understanding that. Like I've been on bad teams where, it's not fun to look up and you're in last place. And like, you're always seeing that. And it's like, then July comes around. It's like, we're already out of it pretty much. Like we have to win the next 30. Like I've been on those teams and, and those talk comes a little bit more than when you're on a good team. It's like, Hey, 
even if they're not out of it, they're still focused on we we still gotta just do business and and that's but it's hard to do because it's all over the place. The yeah. media, the social media, the all that stuff. Man, I can I I I I can only imagine what it would be like to be in a position where you've been in, you know, say the the league, you know, the MLB for nine years or however long and you've kind of cemented yourself into a position where you're on a team you've been with for a long time and that team's not a winning team Mm -hmm. and every year you're competing but you're not really competing for a a series because you know the team's not not capable or whatever you know that year whatever the reason whether that's injuries or not but I can only imagine what that's like for veteran players that have never really gotten to experience that competitive yeah you know it's different and I spent two years in the big leagues and seven in the minor leagues, the minor leagues is tougher because even if you have certain amount of games to win, the minor league system is not really based off winning. It's based off developing your players. So it's a whole different feel. And then rather the big leagues is the only job is winning. So like in the minor leagues, it's, Hey, we're, we're right in the pennant race to to win the whole league. And, we got to start doing some weird things with guys that are getting ready to go to the big leagues. And next thing you know, it's not about, we wouldn't usually use that guy in that spot, but he needs that experience. So we're putting him in there. He didn't handle it. So it's a kind of a mix of whatever, if you're in the big leagues, it's, it's a lot different than the minor leagues. That's fascinating. You know, the last two years I've started really folk, like I started paying attention to minor league baseball more the last Mm -hmm. couple of years. And it is intriguing to me. Like, you know, seeing, especially you see AAA, you see AA. I've seen it where guys in the big leagues are in AA because they don't want to mess up with the development of a specific player in AAA. And they send them to AA and and just different things like that. And then you'll see times where, whether it's injuries, like they'll send four guys up and you're like, huh, I wonder what that's like for the manager of, you know, yeah. AAA or the, yeah. the coach, you know, that's you know, like... <laughs> It's it's strictly a business, and like only you'll only learn that as you are in it. Like I remember the first year I was, I got drafted. I was in a good spot where you know a team invested money in me. They're gonna make sure I develop. They're gonna give me as many chances that I need. And I started off really slow, and I'm like, man, I'm gonna be benched here soon. And they're like, Mike, you're not gonna be benched. Like you're gonna play no matter what. And I said, no, that's not how it works. And then you slowly start understanding, like. It really is how it works. When you're struggling, they want you to work through it. There's stuff that you're working on. And so you start to understand what you're there for. It's I'm trying to perfect my game so that when I get to the big leagues, I'm ready to go. But you kind of lose that feeling of winning sometimes. Yeah. I remember when I went to the Rangers in 2012, luckily I was on good teams with their system. I didn't really have that much of a, a lapse, but you know, in certain spots when you're like a three hole hitter in double A and, you know, there's certain situations in baseball where you might have to get them over to like, you know, give up yourself as an out to get them over to get them in. And I'm not doing that in double A. But when you get to the big leagues, it's like, hey, Mike, you know, you, you got to run our second base there with no outs. And your job is to get him over. I don't need you're not the big dog double A guy anymore. You're you're part of this team trying to win. So it's retraining your brain to be in that winning atmosphere again so it's just different feels different levels yeah yeah and you i imagine you have to be so focused in on some of that too because like you're also like if you're switching organizations 
you know, like you have to understand maybe the values there. Like, for instance, I think of it like military terms. Like, so the military, when you get these guys that get in there, they invest so much money in these players, you know, so you think like players, military, you know, these they, they train them to survive, then they train them to kill. And I forget how much, but like the SEAL teams, like those guys, I think they're, they invest like six million plus per individual between gear and skill development. Wow. And uh, I say skill development. Yeah. But I mean, it is, you know, they're training for war. So they're investing now that that's a high end, you know, that's a top tier, you know, military servicemen that the military is investing tons of money into, you know, these guys yep. are, you know, so you got to think like it's probably similar when you get to the high end of anything else where it's like once you've spent so much money, you've already said this guy for whatever reason, whether it's potential, you know, yep. like he's worth that much. So you got to think like the the, you know, understanding your own worth as a baseball player probably helps a lot in the transitioning because some of those trades that happen like you, you may be part of a trade, but you're not the main piece of that trade. Right. You have they see like, something. Yep. Yeah, like so you know, because if you get traded and you're in a good spot and you like the position you're in, but you get traded and you're part of a trade, like that could probably hurt a guy's confidence as well, getting traded, as much as it could help somebody. How does the player manage that? It it happened to me. Um, it happened to me like the first honestly for two years, right? So Texas was in the playoffs, they really needed a couple more pieces to that they felt that would help them succeed in the playoffs. So I was on the trade block for two years straight. And like every, every day it was a new trade purpose. Mike's going here. We need to get. So like you start, you start saying like, I mean, do the Rangers not even see a need for me? Like in the future, that's the first thought. But like at the second thought is you all, that also means that 29 teams are, they're seeing a future for you. They have a plan for you. So like until you get to that concept in your brain, it's a little awkward. Like I was 21 years old and I don't know how this, uh, I don't know how this baseball world works. Like why do the Rangers not want me? I'm doing really well. It's not that they didn't want me. It's they wanted a piece that was ready for a playoff atmosphere that at that time. And it was going to take some of the good, really good talented players that they had to, to trade for it. So when I actually did get traded, I didn't have that feeling. Yeah. I was more excited. Like the Cubs, the Cubs want me. They, uh, we went four guys went to the Cubs and one guy went to the Rangers. So they, they already had a plan and they, and they made sure that we knew that right away. Like they had a meeting with us right away. Here's, here's what we're thinking. Here's what we're building. Our goal is to get to the playoffs in, in two years and win it, not just get there. And that's what they did. So yeah. it, it comes down to those things. Uh, early on, young guys might might struggle with it, but when they really understand what the business is and and maybe a better opportunity for them to play and have success, a better path, um, it's more exciting when they start understanding that. Yeah, it, it's interesting. You see some guys too, like culture, clubhouse cultures, you know, yeah. it changes because some of these guys are freaking amazing. Like they'll come out of nowhere and you got to think they're the reason for that. Something made yeah. that clip. Uh Carpenter was you know, when he went to the Yankees when yep. we, we just got rid of him last year and he went over to the Yankees and just went off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he, you just got to think like, so how much, how much does the culture in the clubhouse has changed from team to team? I, I got a great story for that. So like my first day in the big leagues with the Rangers, right? They're a great team going for the playoffs. Their only goal is to win. 
I remember being so nervous on, we had a flight that night to go to Kansas city and it was, all right, I know I have to get the beer for the guys. I know I have to, like, I was asking Michael Young this. I said, Hey, so after the game, I'm going to get the beer that there's snacks that we need to get. He's like, Whoa, Whoa, what are you doing? Let's just go win a ball game. Who cares about all that shit? Like, we don't need that. I'm like, okay, wow. That's the guy who warned me, like, make sure I have all this done. He's like, no, let's just win this ball game. We'll figure all that, which like eased me, right? You don't want to be the rookie that's like not doing the right things. And then I've been on teams where we were terrible. And it's like the main focus is where are the rookies? Make sure they got that. Like, that's their focus. That's, that was the team chemistry in the locker room is like, make sure the rookies know that they're, they haven't earned anything and they got to, which I respect. Right. But at the same time, when you get on a good team, it's not like that. The The culture is like, let's bring me in as one of the teammates, new guy. Let's get him as comfortable as we can, as quick as possible. And let's do our job and win the games. So it's it depends on the team. Yeah. I've had, yeah. had several different several different scenarios in, in a locker room. And it's I never got to be the veteran, but I know from my experience with the Cubs that even if there was rookie stuff that we need them to do, it's like let's not focus on it. Let, let's really focus on getting them comfortable. Like I learned from a good team. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, and and that's I, a lot of them. That probably changes too. Like the culture, the clubhouse yeah. culture changes throughout time. Just you got to think like it is a business, and so you've got to think people are changing all the time. I mean, it's there's a lot of stress when you're on a bad team. There's a lot of stress on not just the players because you know they they know that there's going to be changed at the end of the year. Um, they have to get their numbers to the way they need it so that they can go promote for another team. It changes for the coaches. They're extremely stressed about their job, their future. Um, it changes for the front office, like getting heat from the owners. It, it's all around. So it does change, you know, and and the best is when you can try and stay as even keel as possible and just kind of roll from there. I, that's interesting you talk about that because so the PVR, which they're doing the teams now, so they've just entered. I heard that. They've introduced this team concept, and that's one of the things that's intriguing as it develops is like, one area is like in the in you know right now we're starting to see some coaches change but really there hasn't been any like accountability on the coaches part where if a coach loses you know you know x amount of years in a row or you know can't provide a winning team right their job should be on the line well in MLB a coach is not going to lose consistently and keep his no. job no. you know so it's intriguing, like when we watch nice. this in the PBR side, is like there's little things like that that, like I know diehard you know bull riding fans may not get it, but like in other sports, there's so many of these pieces, and like each one is disposable because it's all a business. <laughs> yep, that's not it. It's not a fun feeling sometimes for the the athletes. No, uh-uh. when we know when we know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have this idea, I think, when you come into you know, for me, probably most people when they think of you know, their career and reaching a high level that like you're going to get to that level and and you're going to be, you know, indisposable and nobody really is. <laughs> no, no, it's you think about some of the really good seasons that happen. Like I think about a Juan Soto, right? He had I mean, he was 21 and single handedly won the World Series for the Nationals, had a great year after that. Then he was on a bad team, had an OK year, right? And he's still only 22, right? So it's like still yeah. a phenomenal yeah. year. <laughs> but then you start after that year, then people are like, well, is he the guy that 
one year? Like, you, do you not realize what he did? Like, for four straight years of like unbelievable numbers, and then COVID happened. He had a small injury, and then they weren't pitching to him. And then all of a sudden, he still hit two seventy with twenty. Like, it's a great year. But like, people, if you have a great year, it's you've got to keep having great years, or people are going to be on you. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, it is. Yeah, and you know, heck, twenty-two in the big leagues—that's stupid, anyway. Most he was nine. He was like twenty. Yeah, but went. even twenty-two right now is how old he is. Is very young. Like if you're yeah. twenty-four and you make your debut, you're freaking a young. It takes. See, at college, you're twenty-one. You got short, a ball, double A. On a three year, three years is really quick. Yeah, and you're twenty-four. Twenty-four. Yeah, that's nuts, isn't it? We've I've had plenty of friends that have been 30, 30 plus and getting their start, you know, at 30. So it's a lot of it's timing, a lot of it's luck, uh, most of it's skill, but you've got to have some of those things involved too. Yeah. I, I remember watching a interview Albert Pujols did about like how lucky he got that he was able to get into the league at 21 because he said it was just a freak deal where, you know, McGuire at that time was coming out and, that position needed filled, and it just exactly. happened. He was there. Yeah, and one of my dad's buddies, uh, his son actually played behind Derek Jeter. Okay. Um, so he was in AAA for eight years. He stayed with. He stayed with. <laughs> he had, like he didn't have any leverage to get out, and yeah. next thing he wasted seven years in the minor leagues, and Derek never got hurt. Okay. Uh, Eric was so, so. It's one of those things because he had played for. 20 other teams probably i don't know i never saw him play but i would yeah. think there's got to be one other team if if he's in triple a for that long he's got to have talent he's staying in the same team he's got to be good but the yankees don't want to get rid of him because if he is good and Derek does go down they got to have somebody that's ready to go so it's yeah. it's not about the kid anymore it's about like the team saying we need him. the job of the these managers and coaches to be able to build depths and make decisions like because there's you got to think they got to look at all of these pieces and they got to connect everything in a way that's going to be yeah. for the betterment of the team not for individuals <laughs> yeah yeah it's you know yeah, they, they, they have everything they have pretty much everything mapped out um in the off seasons as best they can there are guys that are going to surprise them in a good way guys that are going to surprise them in a bad way but for the most part, they do a really good job, like laying out the the map for them. Yeah. And there's some communication from them, too. Like, I remember my first year with the Rangers. I was in short season doing really well. And, you know, my thought was maybe I'll move up a level, go here. They said they sat me down like the second week and said, hey, you're not leaving. I want you to get comfortable here. Like the plan is for next year. You're going to go. You're going to skip uh, low A, go to high A. So they were like informing me okay. instead of me constantly thinking, yeah. what do I have to do to get to the next level? If I'm doing really well here, why can't I go up there? And they wanted just our core group to kind of stay together, get comfortable together. And then I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think communication is so important It is for the athletes, you know, athletes, if you want, and for an organization, if you want athletes to compete at a very high level, you really should want them to be less distracted. <laughs> and yeah. if you can, to the best of your ability, being able to allow athletes to, you know, be undistracted is a is a big deal in their performance. So communication would have to be at that at the very top. You know, you'd think. 
I, it's tough to sleep some nights anyway Yeah. with how you're playing. So if you add how you're playing and my job, this is now my job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those could be definitely sleepless nights. So you get a good front office, good coaches. Um, like I had one time in, in AA where I didn't know this. It wasn't public knowledge, but we were trying to trade a, a first baseman. Mm-hmm. I'm doing really well. And I sat like two or three games in a row, which was a normal. I'm like, did I do something wrong? I didn't have to say that. He already felt maybe that I was like kind of confused, not mad. Like, I, I like okay, well, maybe I don't know what's going on. I'm a little bit older. So maybe they're trying to get the young guy a little bit more experience. And he said, hey, before, you know, I don't want you to overthink this. Like, we're trying to trade him. This stays between us. Like, something's something's already in the works right now. I just want to keep you upfront, honest about it. Like, I I enjoyed the game. I watched it and, like, had fun. I was like, okay, there's nothing I have to worry about. That's a huge. Yeah. When you let the kids stay and, and, and like, I don't know why I'm not playing. Um, did I do something wrong? Base running. That they, like, you start overanalyzing anything. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, especially too, like the commitment. I mean, it, yeah. it it is intriguing with baseball, the skill development, because you talk about that age where it's like even other sports, NFL, these guys are young coming into the league, you know, yeah. NBA, you know, some of these guys are yeah, really- college right into the starting lineup. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's weird. It's a different deal. So you're committing, you're committing a long time and like, especially you get into the minor leagues and you're not making the money. So no. it's one thing if you, there's there's distractions on you and you're making forty million dollars, okay. Right. Well, I'll, I'll deal with the distractions, to deal with them. Yeah. But if you're making, you know, just you know, you're barely scraping by, you're you're grinding it out in a different different way. Then like that now it's changed. What's the difference between that that experience in like triple A or double A or single A to the minor league system versus big leagues? Because I know even traveling, you know is different for us when we're competing at the high level and, you know, the lower level versus driving and, and everything. People get it a little misinterpreted when I say something like this, but like the big league is, is easier than the minor leagues. Right. So the big leagues is not easier because the pitchers are worse or they, they trust me, they know how every way to get you out up in the big leagues, but you have better travel. You have better hotels, better food, better money to get uh, off-season stuff that you need. In the minor leagues, they play 145 games in 155 days, right? So now they're only like six to eight days off a season. And your travel days in AAA, we were playing night games, seven to 10 at night. Sometimes it can go to 11. Then we're getting on a a four o'clock bus to get to the airport for a 6 a.m. flight and playing the same day. Yeah, yeah. Like we're in AAA, there was there was one game that uh we were in New Orleans. It was maybe 115 degrees. The game went 16 innings, went to like 12 30 p.m. <laughs> we left at four. We missed our flight. Then we ended up having to get uh, another flight somewhere else, then to Omaha. We got to Omaha at 6.15, games at 7. So we no one slept. And everyone's like dying from the Orleans trip. It was so hot. I remember being like the seventh inning. I looked at Chris Bryant. He was wearing one molded cleat and one metal cleat, just completely the wrong, the wrong shoes. 
And he didn't even notice. I had to tell him, I was like, I think you're wearing the wrong. Like we were so delusional. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think we lost. We probably lost. It was closer than I thought, like 12 to one. But like, there's like, well, can they like push the game back? They're like, no, that everyone's in their seats. We got, <laughs> we, we got ready for the game at like 650. Yeah. And then we got there and just played. I was like, wow, this is, and you're a step below the big leagues. Like right. you a step below the big leagues. It's like, it might be a little bit better, but it's almost harder. What, that probably prepared you, though, if you ever went through one of those times where it's like they called you last minute to come up. Yeah, to the it happens way too often. And it happens. I Throughout the year, that's one thing this last year I paid attention to, because the Cardinals are in a spot where they have so many young guys right now. Yeah, and yeah. They're, they're veterans, but they're like in a transition period. Mm-hmm. And they're, you have all this young crop coming up. So you have these guys that are freaking getting called up last minute. And you got to think that that's. That's, you know, I, I know for me, like I, one of the worst things is like this past year, I was going to be going to a, what would be considered like a triple A event, a velocity event. And it was in South Carolina, you know, Charleston, South Carolina. And it was on Thursday and I get the call to go to uh, Sacramento, California the next day, instead of going to, you know, South Carolina. So you got to think that jacks up with everything, you know, you got all these plans and then you got to, but I imagine if it's happening on the team setting, you're kind of in a schedule and you're probably preparing for that anyway. Yeah, it ends up being the same, but it's the travel of, you know, a lot of guys have families. Um, and a lot of times they'll say uh, for pitchers, right? St. Louis probably had a lot of pitchers that went up and down. Yeah, correct. But they'll be like, hey, you might be going up for just three days, but it could be like a month. They can't give you a definite answer. So for your family who has two kids packing up an apartment do i pack up the full apartment do i not and then if you don't pack up the full apartment you know you're going to be there for a month two months it's like that's where it gets to be the the travel everything's the same like once you get there physically it's like okay thank god i'm here right yeah I, right, right, I'm, right. Back, I'm back to triple a schedule the same as a big league schedule when it comes to get to the field practice ground ball all that stuff but you almost feel bad for like the the wives and the girlfriends and the kids and it's like well but you know at the same time it's a really good problem to have when you're going to the, like if your yeah. biggest stress is like getting there it's like well financially it's worth it for your wife to you know help and yeah and pass up and, and the you know my um my wife she's her dad played in the big leagues like he coached in the big leagues so she really understood like the, the life schedule and lifestyle it, of yeah. yeah, like I don't sleep at night. Like I get home at 11. I'm extremely wired. It's I sleep till 11 a.m. So it's you, having somebody that understands and is willing to do that stuff. That's huge. The, the, that is interesting. The rhythm of uh, competing, you know, and being on the road a lot. They, they, that There's a different rhythm to it. And for the family, it's a different deal. For us, it's different. And it's actually... You know, for for us, it's a good thing because like I'm gone, you know, two to three days on the weekend and then I'm yeah. gone the rest of the week. Right. And I never have to take her with me because it's not, you know, like baseball, you know, you go, you have to live there. Yeah. You know, so you're, you, you belong to a city or whatever, Um. you know, where for us, we're not, you know, we're individuals. So uh, with the team concept, I don't, you know, in the future, maybe they go that route. But even right now, like the teams are made up of individuals. For the team stuff on for everybody else probably looks one way, but for the athletes, nothing's really changed outside of some of the contract and how we get paid. But like the PBR team stuff, you're not moving, you know, so I'm not 
if I get you know signed to a team in Oklahoma, I don't have to move to Oklahoma type of a deal. Got it. Got it. Yeah, and the good thing is when we do like we're in hotels a lot, but it's like for eight days. So like it's not three days back home, three days like it's yeah. it's usually in blocks of like seven to nine games away, seven to nine games home. Yeah. So it's the same way for what like you know maybe if it's a closer trip like Chicago to St. Louis is closer. Yeah. So maybe I take the kids for the weekend, but we'll come back. Right. And, and then we know we have you coming home for nine games home. So like, you don't have to worry about the kids missing as much, which yeah. helps when you start doing like a three day trip to Texas and then four days and back home and then four days in uh, Florida, then it's, it's tough. Then yeah. it's, you can't really get settled in. Like, at least I know when we go on the road, I treat it like I'm living at home. You know, like it's okay. I'm here for three days. We're going to take another hour flight. I'm there for three days. Like it's, it doesn't affect you too much. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could see that. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that having the family, like, you know, your wife's used to it and, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest deal. I bet that's difficult. I bet it's difficult. So for me and my wife, when we got together and I, I was riding bulls when we, st- when we got together. Yep. So she didn't know anything different. Like from we were together when, you know, so I'm sure that like that if you get married and you're already in the big leagues, like then, you know, your wife doesn't know anything different. But like if you it's your high school sweetheart and she's yeah. the whole process, I bet that's difficult because you're dealing with, you know, a, you know, a individual who, you know, is kind of along for the ride and, and is introduced to a, a whole new lifestyle that they didn't, you know, know existed. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just getting the point across that like some in a weird way sometimes like we have to be selfish like and and how we go about training like can we go on vacation I have training set for this like I'm doing this for this so maybe I'm not doing as much of the family stuff as I want but at the same time I'm doing all this like I know it might look selfish I'm doing all this for our family so when you get somebody that understands that then it's like really easy I, I've had. I hope my, me and my wife see this, but I've had, you know, in the past, I always thought maybe I didn't want somebody that knows anything about baseball mm-hmm. because it's, you talk about baseball so much, you're for 250 days, you're 10 hours, 11 hours of just baseball. So it's maybe I don't want anyone. And I remember there was a girl knew nothing about baseball. And like, I had a really bad game. First time we met mm-hmm. Four, three strikeouts and a pop out to like the catcher. And she's like, oh, my God, you did so great. I'm like, what? I, that was one of my wor- I don't know what you're talking She said, you made contact with the ball three times, like three foul balls. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I can't because I think she's going to try too hard. So maybe like, right, yeah. maybe I should stick with something. And I, I met my wife. Uh, I played with her brother at UConn. And I met her when I was in double A. And uh, it's just kind of crazy how it, the conversations start flowing. And it, I, sometimes she was giving me advice. I'm like, gosh, that's really good advice about my swing. <laughs> I don't know how you know that, but it, you're right. You're 100% right. So it's it's really cool the dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was meaning to ask you, what are injuries? So my elbow, I had my, my elbow surgery was the Texas Ranger surgeon. Oh, uh, what was it? Meister, Meister, Meister. Uh, There's two of them. 
Um, I'm not sure which one it was. He may have done one of my. He did my collarbone he, probably. Okay, so he's the same one that does the college too. Okay. When he did it, he was flying out to the College World Series for Got one. Of, and then he also does the Rangers. Tandy Freeman, he's the PBR's main physician, and he's mm -hmm. out of Baylor in. Oregon. Okay. Okay. So or Dallas. Um. So yeah, but he did my elbow. What I mean is that mostly, but actually my shoulder. So the shoulder that I just got done, um, one of the St. Louis Cardinals, I think they have four physicians or whatever, and he's one of them that um, did my yeah. shoulder too. What's the big injury-wise? Like, you know, when you're talking about a long year, like I'm sure that you guys are dealing with like nagging injuries and like, you know, major injuries. And are, are, are most of the injuries due to nagging stuff that's not taken care of or is it some of it just free? Yeah. yeah, I think we... I don't know if we've played any big league or any pro players played a game like a hundred percent, right? Cause there's so much wear and tear on your body. What's up everybody. I'm thrilled to announce a fantastic partnership between the rodeo wagon podcast and rodeo life official rodeo life. Isn't just a coffee brand. It's a veteran owned business that epitomizes the principles of hard work, dedication and perseverance in all their products. As an avid consumer of rodeo life coffee, I am proud to align myself with a company that mirrors my values and resonates with our audience. Supporting this veteran-owned business is not only a testament to our shared ethos, but also a way to give back to those who have served our country. This partnership promises exciting content, collaborations, and surprises for all our listeners and the rodeo community. You can anticipate special episodes featuring the Rodeo Life experts and even a chance to win some Rodeo Life merchandise. We look forward to this journey with Rodeo Life and the enriching experience it will bring our audience. Join us as we venture into this partnership fueled by a passion for rodeo and a great cup of Rodeo Life coffee. Stay tuned for more exciting updates and the amazing things to come from the Rodeo Wagon podcast and Rodeo Life Official. Make sure you go to rodeolifeofficial.com and check out all their sweet merch. Are you searching for that perfect statement? Look no further than Bluegrass Engraving, where creativity meets craftsmanship. Their specialty lies in creating custom buckles and dip cans, but that's not all. They redefine elegance with an exquisite line of jewelry. And for those who appreciate a little flair, check out their engraved guns collection. At Bluegrass Engraving, they don't just create products, they craft experiences. Visit Bluegrass Engraving today and let them turn your visions into engraved realities. Bluegrass Engraving, where artistry meets authenticity. Hey there, folks. I want to tell you about my favorite cowboy hat brand, Sombrero Brands. As a professional bull rider, I know how important it is to have a hat that not only looks good, but can withstand the toughest rides out there. And that's exactly what Sombrero Brands delivers. Their hats are custom-fitted and shaped to perfection, with a level of attention to detail that's hard to find these days. But what really sets Sombrero Brands apart is the fact that they're a family-owned and operated business. Mark and Kendall Holler, the owners, and their daughter Sarah, who's only 13 but already a hat-making prodigy, are all passionate about their craft. They know what it takes to make a cowboy hat that can stand up to anything the rodeo circuit can throw at it. And get this, the founder's grandfather, Polly Holler, was born and raised at South Camp on the Four Sixes Ranch. These folks have got cowboy blood running through their veins, and it shows in every hat they make. That's why I'm proud to have Sombrero Brands as a major sponsor for my podcast, the Rodeo Wagon Podcast. So if you're in the market for a hat that's tough enough to handle anything the rodeo throws at it, give Sombrero Brands a try. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. I think a lot of the injuries happen. Like I had, 
So I played one healthy season out of those nine years. I think <laughs> injuries is actually what made me like leave baseball. I started off, I broke my collarbone. I ran over the catcher. I had a compound fracture in my collarbone, mm-hmm. which was fun. That was a fun flight to Texas. I had blood coming down. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Then I had, uh, I got hit by a pitch, broke my wrist. I was out for four months there. I had plantar fasciitis on both my feet. I was out for three months and then three months. And and I broke my wrist again by hit by pitch. And then I had a concussion. I got hit by pitch with, uh, in the Dominican. That was, that was the career like derailing injury. So the other injuries like you can come back from, I, I I had a concussion before concussions were like a thing. I, I couldn't even play catch. Really? So the, the ball was, my eyes would be moving. The ball would be, I had no depth perception. And we just always thought it was my eyes. So I, I saw every eye specialist like in the United States. They did really good getting me anyone I could like imagine. And they're, they're like, his eyes are completely fine. So like it basically it hit me in a spot in the back of that head where it just affected. I don't really know what it affected, but I, I was never the same player after that. Sure. I got better. I got more comfortable. And and I think things started to come around like a couple years later. Yeah. But it wasn't the same player. Still wasn't um, pulling the trigger on normal pitches. I pulled the trigger on. And so that might be like the most frustrating one. But then you have like your hammy injuries where it's. Yeah. You know, yeah. 22 games straight. It's a hot day. Maybe you didn't drink enough water and hydration is probably difficult yep and like it's fourth inning your your hammy's tight you feel it but it's normal like we we play i almost enjoyed playing hurt more than i was like when i feel really good because then i'm like really just focused on just playing getting through the game but the hammies will go the quads will go um those are like the main and then pitchers have all the stuff with the shoulders and stuff like that but like position player wise some of those, some of the injuries definitely happen from just repetition over and over. Your body's just breaking down, tired, and then it takes one move, and then yeah. boom. Yeah, I th- that's probably the biggest detriment to the sport of bull riding is it's a collision sport, so your body's yeah. taking so much impact. But then overuse, where a lot of you know, there's not like a true unless you're part of it, like a league or whatever. And right now with everything that's happening, there's not like a true off season. So guys not taking any breaks ever, and then just overuse, just going all the time. A lot of injuries are just strictly because of that. And being on the road, heck, it's hard. I'm sure in the the big leagues it's maybe a little bit easier to maintain that, but if you don't have the finances and stuff, to be able to get proper nutrition to make sure that your body's, you know, well hydrated and ready to go through that. I think it's better now for them in the minor leagues because I believe the teams are paying for food, um, like catering food to come in. Yeah. There's, there's times in the minor leagues, you guys are having like a peanut butter sandwich like four times a day. And that's kind of all they're at because they're getting paid like $400 every two weeks. Yeah, no joke. No, and no chance to make a side hustle in, in baseball. You're You're at the field. You know, it says you play a three-hour game. You're probably there on average ten hours a day. It's work and everything. So it's the nutrition-wise is is massive. It's that that started becoming a big thing, like in 2017. Like 
okay. changing changing chefs and making sure that there's certain things that all, all the research that's out on what can help prevent injuries yeah. is now becoming a thing. So it, there's more access to that now. Now it's just like bull rat. It's your your body's still going to break down. Like it's, yeah, it's right. especially as you get older. Well, and and you talk about the the levels too. I mean, I I always say, and if I don't have, if I don't believe that I can maintain my body physically, is able to and mentally, and be able to recover when I am hurt the right way to compete yeah. at the highest level, I'll be done. So, like, there's guys where you get to where your body, like, you can still compete at amateur deals, or if you're a yeah. guy, maybe you've played in the big leagues, but you're finally to the point where you're a good triple A or you're good double A, mm-hmm. you're a good minor league ball player, but you don't quite have that crisp, you know, that yep. it needs to be at that high level. You know, I but then there's a lot of guys that, you know, are journeymen and they'll freaking, you know, they'll do it they'll, forever. They'll put their body <laughs> through anything. Yeah, I've seen plenty. There's a guy that's forty nine that's riding bulls, you know, and still gets to the highest level and just back and forth. And you know, it's it's crazy. You know, you have different people and Probably some of that or a lot of it has to do with how you took care of your body maybe when you were younger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't the uh the fun nights out um now are more like let's get dinner and maybe a wine, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I could have more than like three drinks, but like when you're younger, you don't think about that at all. Yeah. Went out for the fun of it. I remember when I was young, you know, twenty two and after the event, like you were looking to do something, you wanted to hang out. You uh-huh. weren't Sleep, you're full of adrenaline and that, oh, yeah. you know, nowadays after the event work you know it's like how can i get back to my hotel room the yes and, you know, how do i avoid anyone that wants to do something and yeah. just go <laughs> happy yeah. yeah like was, during the day get around maybe go play some mini putt or something you know yeah. but like <laughs> yeah i um i i always i envy those guys now the young bucks <laughs> you always miss those days yeah it's 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 interesting i'm even now like my training and everything just changed so much i don't it it happens so slowly you don't realize it but you make those adjustments you know oh yeah when you're younger you're like you're putting as much weight on the bar as you can when you're older the focus is how do i make sure my body just doesn't break down like how do i I stretch and how do i do this (laughs) next thing you know i'm doing yoga i'm like what is going on like when did like my my sole purpose when I for, you know was really when I was younger was getting stronger and my sole purpose mm-hmm. now is movement and it's like, yeah, like I didn't care about movement then other than you know I was gonna move wherever as fast as I could and now mm-hmm. I'm like yeah getting stretched out and um you know <laughs> it, it's uh well I guess there's so much more research now that now they're starting to do strength with the movement before it was I mean when I was coming up it was just strength. Correct. Yeah. Pliability is big. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I guess it's just all all the guys that they bring into these organizations, they have so much knowledge that you trust it and you start, you start seeing success and seeing guys last longer and and stay healthier and it shifts everyone's opinions there. We we just now are to this point in bull riding where that's a thing. Like we're not far that's, removed from bull riding where it was like back when like Babe Ruth and them played, you know, yeah. that's a whole different world of a entire sport. Like you look at Babe Ruth, like people want to co- compare Otani to Babe Ruth. Are you freaking kidding me? You, you, 
you cannot compare the two. And I would right. not want to see if they ever, if if you could do it by some magical way, put Otani against Babe Ruth, I would be scared to see, you know, what people's yeah. responses would be because it's not even, you can't compare the two because it would be unfair. <laughs> well, people say that like Babe Ruth wasn't facing the competition he was, but the fact of the matter is Babe Ruth was the best to ever play. And if, Talent got if they started throwing harder. Guess what? Babe Ruth, being the talented guy, would be like, "All right, I'm yeah. gonna make a little adjustment. Boom, boom, I'm the best to ever do this." So it's just you, have, you can't compare to you can't compare two separate contexts to the same thing. No, like what you can say is, you know, the best in the world at their time probably would have been the best in each era that they were at. I'm, I'm they, fully they had that drive. They, you know. they don't figure out a way to make sure if and even you hear Mike Trout talk about pitching now. He's like, I don't know, like six years ago, the average velocity was 91, 92. Now I got guys throwing 103 like you had the one of the best players in the game right now saying that he's he's not scared of it. He just knows mentally. All right. I got to make a little of adjustment. That, yeah. That's that's what you're saying. I think Babe Ruth could have been the same like like he is now. Yeah, you just you can't, you know, in, in each time frame you have those people. What's interesting is the technology we have now, because you got to think like if you were to have given Babe Ruth everything that you would give these young guys coming up, you know, with you the bat. Babe Ruth is using yeah. a 42 ounce bat. Why don't we give him a 30 ounce bat? Yeah, and see right. Yeah. Primal, yeah. That's that's done with special paint, not just like take the tree branch, babe, and just go hit off this guy. And it shows the development too, like in contrast to like those guys back then and what they were doing to what it is now. Even the mound, like look how many times the mounds changed and how far the mounds away. And you know, I think they were talking. I was watching on Sports Center a couple of years ago, and they were talking about the mound and like who threw the hardest pitch ever. And they were talking about the trajectory changes everything. So you know, you're looking at like Nolan Ryan, who was not on the same mounds that they're pitching on today. He could have pitched through the ball just as hard. It's just you don't – it didn't track it that way because it's not – Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we try to make like uh, they want to move the mounds back. Pitchers will always have the advantage, right? So if they move the mound back, maybe it's not going to be as hard, but the ball is going to move more. So they're like yeah. – Yeah. Yeah. That extra two feet, I'm going to make it dive down a little bit more. And it's – it doesn't matter what you do. It's It's – every hitter is going to have to change – whatever every pitcher is always changing every hitter is always changing and how how many times okay so we went through this we're really going through this now and it's probably been this way for a while but like as an athlete the pbr changes rules all the time yeah i can't tell you how many rule changes throughout the year happen in the mlb is it mostly year to year during the season do rules change much they can't change during the season um nope and lately they've they've been trying to change it a lot more like we had the pitch clock that's been the biggest change i think which i always find funny it's <laughs> you want to make the game fun and quicker which i understand some some baseball is not fun to watch until yeah. like the last thing right until you appreciate well, it it's like yeah, anything unless you exactly and then so now okay fine so many fans want it to be more fun let's make it quicker so pitchers have to be boom boom i get it now they're complaining it's too quick that they can't enjoy the game they i'm like changing rules is always it's always tough you never know what's going to click and what's not but the good thing is they have uh like the we have a players association that talks with the league so they set their rules in advance they give us spring training to understand it. And some of the rules 
which I always find is interesting is there's independent ball leagues, which is not professional, but like they're not with an organization and they'll try some of the new rules out in that league. So when I played independent ball in 2019, we had the bigger bases, we had the pitch clock and we had the umpires automatic strike zone. So electronic. And they tried it out on us to see like, how would it, how would this affect baseball? How how was it? On the, the on, basic, specifically the, the strike zone, that's what awful. was uh, it? Extremely awful. Um, a lot of work that would need to be done because if you think about like a curveball is coming in the zone, yeah, and it starts high, comes down. If it nicked the top right. part up front, it's a strike. But like I can't. This isn't a strike up here. Like I can't hit that. It but did. it's coming down. It's coming down. By the time it reaches the back of yeah. So it's like the. the the bases was awesome. I, I think the bases was huge. It prevents injuries. Uh, sure. First bases have a little bit more wiggle room to like be on the bag. Um, and then the oh, pitch clock on first, yeah, especially on first. <laughs> yep. And the pitch clock is. I like the pitch clock. I think a lot of guys like it. There's going to be certain guys that don't. Yeah. Um, you know, especially older guys who have routine, been there, done that. Now the it's I'm rushing and getting hurt maybe because I'm rushing. So there's pros yeah. and cons. The earpiece, that's another one that they've started. Probably, yeah. the, the interesting... You probably have to have both. If you're going to have the clock, you're probably going to have to have the earpiece. Of because... course. And I like that. Yeah. Honestly, if if we... if What I don't like maybe is... So with all the pitch stealing stuff, right? There was... <laughs> there was... Pitch stealing has always been in the game, right? Uh-huh. But it's an art of learning what the catcher is doing, learning what the pitcher is doing, and relaying the message. That's sure. always... So now with the pitch, with the cheating and stuff like that, I I personally would like, I think that without the pitch clock would be just what they need. Because you understand what the pitch <laughs> is. I don't have to worry yeah. about the baseman stealing the signs. I don't have to worry about the hitter stealing the signs. So, because there's a lot of times where if I'm on someone's on second base and, and the pitcher thinks that he has a sign, he calls time. Right, right. Calls. So like if we can eliminate that, that's great. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. So there's there's always cool things. I, I like rule changes. It's just like any rule change. You're you're not gonna like it at first because it's different. What do what I wonder what the league, so when they look at changing rules, like what are they taking into consideration a lot of times when they're changing rules? Is it pace of play for the baseball? It mostly TV contracts and stuff like that that they're trying it's to not. dial in, you know. I think they do a good job of of thinking about the fans. Yeah. But they do a good job conversing with our players' alliance to you make sure have, you have a union, don't you? Yeah, that makes sense. So the PBR does not allow us to have unions as athletes. What so, they say goes, kind of thing, and yeah, and guys, we're not allowed. Yeah, it's whatever they say goes. Which same? I, I believe UFC is the same. It's I, it has to do with the business type, I believe, of the PBR. I know it took a long time for us to have that, and there had to be a couple strikes and 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 all that. There's been one strike. And it didn't get pushed hard enough. And then once that got shut down, there hasn't been another one. But, um, yeah, really, that's, I mean, that's what we kind of deal with is just more of a corporate run, you know, saying. So we don't have a say in any of the rule stuff. So it intrigues me, you know, with what that even looks like within some of these other, you know, sports. Yeah, because it has has the, the union, which is like higher up people who have been in the game, understand the game, understand what the players need. Plus, each team has their own rep, so they all get together, and they all. So now we have actual players that play, 
plus around it. So like conversing, like, do you think this is a good idea? What what effects could happen from this? Right. Like the pitch clock is injury is going to be too much of an issue. If it's not, we're not going to push it. So yeah. for us, we get lucky because we kind of don't have to worry about the rules as much. Yeah, we know that, we know that there needs to be some changes, but we at least have a little bit of say to. Well, yeah, and you probably don't have to like for us, like for me, you know, if something's happening that's really concerning, like I'm gonna have to put in the work to like know what's going on, understand all of it. Whereas if you do have a union like that, you know, especially if you're a younger guy, you can rely on the experience of some guys. Okay. And not have to worry about it so much. And so then you can kind of stay focused on, you know, the main task to get handled. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, if you're focusing on all the stuff, new rules. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're dealing with all that stuff. I, I'm sure for new players, that's a, you know, that's, it takes a lot of your attention just dealing with the rule changes, let alone, you know, whether they need to be implemented or not. <laughs> they even have um, like a rookie like in the off season, they'll have like a rookie seminar where it goes over like either new, new rules or um, how to, how to interact with the press. Like they really try to get you comfortable before you're there. So like, that's another perk that our, our unions come up with. And if we can give guys advice before they get into the spots that, that will help them. So they're not, they're more focused on baseball and not, uh, how to handle an interview like i remember my first interview my first week in the big leagues was crazy i had my first hit standing ovation then i made a base running error in the second game so like almost i think we, i think i may have ruined the game maybe i think we may have won it but i got lucky so i blew i <laughs> i then i blew it then i had like a game winning um sack fly on a high again and then i made a, a throwing error to lose a game uh-huh. And I remember, uh, you know, Michael Young came up to me. He's like, hey, listen, when the reporters come in, they're going to come right to you. You're going to handle it like this. I'm like, no, no, don't they know I'm upset? Like, I, I don't want to talk right now. They're like, Mike, this is the only time they want to talk to you. It's when <laughs> like this happens and you just handle it. Like if you have people in your corner that help or have seminars where it could help you focus on what right, to right. say, right? like, hey, I make that play 99 out of 100 times. It's completely my fault. It's something I'm going to. I'm just going to put my head down, keep working. Like you have to handle it like that. And some kids don't have that education going into it. So it's a lot for them. It's almost like they're more worried about the outside world than just playing. I've then, seen that. Before. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I and You get it to um, get guys get, you know, to the top level and just being there. Everything's just so distracting. Just being oh, yeah. the lights and the oh, yeah. around people. I mean, I remember my first event on tour and, I had gone when I first started riding. I'd went to a JB Mooney school, and JB, you know, one of the best to ever ride bulls. And like I remember going, you know, and working on him teaching. And there's like a group of fourteen of us there. And then I remember making my debut and actually getting to ride with JB and like look at somebody like that. And then you get up there and everything's just, you know, like yeah, it's like shell shocking. It's my first time, my first spring training. I remember calling my mom saying hey i'm gonna go face uh some of the big leaguers today and on the back like, <laughs> and like literally like your brain has to start understanding like yeah but mike you you can play with like you don't have to treat them like that but it's a surreal moment at some points right and then next year next year you're locker mates with josh hamilton and you're like man you know what like i can't do that it's not as a big of a a leap to think that i can play here 
but it's yeah. like training, training your brain to being like, there's so many like superstar athletes here and do I belong? And this is crazy to, no, these are going to be my teammate. Like you, once you change there, then you're good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. You, you get in the, the flow of it. You start to make friends and know people past what you've seen, you know, the whole facade. We've all been, We've <laughs> all been in the same yeah. spot. Right. I asked them like, I, hey, hey, I say that, but I don't agree. I think there's a few of these guys out that are prodigies, and at like two years old, True. they're thinking like uh, they've the been in that, you know, King Griffey Jr. <laughs> there's this the Hall of Famers are like that. They yeah, yeah, know yeah. That, and there's uh, a few, a few of them for sure. Hey, there's a few out there though that you know I know like in you know football, the Kurt Warners of the world. You know, uh, yeah, different path, and yeah, that's what makes sports fun. It has a different path to it, and like when you start hearing the stories, and for some kids that are like, "Should I quit?" They can hear one more story, and it's like, "You're right, I'm gonna keep going." Like I, you you need that sometimes because it's so hard. Like I put so much work in, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Then you talk to a guy that never got drafted, and was working in a grocery store and all of a sudden threw a bullpen. Some guy liked him. Now he's in the big leagues. Yeah. So many many different stories. Right. Which is fun. Yeah, it is. What For me, you know, like I'm I'm turning 30 this coming year and, you know, I've been doing this at a high level and like I love competing. And for me, the hardest thing, whenever that time comes in five years or three years or whatever, where I retire – like I can't imagine like transitioning out of competing at a high level like that. What has that been like for you in that process? Um <laughs> my wife, okay, as an example, the reason I asked this, hindsight, uh my wife just knows what it's like when like this this will be a year I'll be out of the sport. And so yeah. having a injured husband that's used to competing and very competitive just be at home in a sling, you know, it drives her nuts. So I'm curious. What your oh, take drove, is, and I'm curious what nuts. your wife's take is, is what I, I wanted I to know. My wife, nuts. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's scary, to be honest with you. Like, you start thinking, um, like, baseball, rodeo, It's probably, it's been our lives for since we were five, four, three. And it's the only thing I've worked on for the last 30 years, 30 whatever years it was. So you start thinking... I was overanalyzing anything. I wanted the perfect job. I wanted to like, I'm going to wait and find that. It's like, once I got, once my wife was able to get the point across, like, just go out and do something. And that's how you'll find your perfect job. It's not going to just come to you. Like you want to be a sports agent, go, go do this for a little bit and see if you like it. Like I was just waiting for the right job to come in. And then um, I just happened to, I didn't want to coach. And then I ended up getting a, a a guy from my hometown randomly was in conversations. And I was just like, yeah, I'm lo- I never asked people. Like, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to start asking people like, what do you <laughs> think I should? Right. And he's like, I have a job opening in uh wood bats in MLB. I'm like, uh, uh, sign me up. Like, I'll, I'll just try it. Like, I didn't think ever I would get into wood bats or working with a company that I used to swim. And, and stuff like that it just wasn't even in my thought process so until i opened up my eyes to like just venture off there i was definitely two three four months in i'm like this is getting scary well, what am i gonna do yeah i don't have a college degree where 
I can, I got to go back and do two years of college to finish that, like do all jobs need to have that. It's if you start connecting with people, especially in your fields that like they, they probably understand what you're going through and they're there to help. They've gone through it. So that a lot of people in sports and teams, they're like, I don't want you to go through what I went through. So why don't you start here? Hey, why don't you call this guy? Why don't you talk to this guy? He might connect you. So that once I opened up to that, I, I felt better. Yeah. You know, but early the first like four months, I was like, I was sitting down playing video games. I'm like, I mean, I'm 30. I can't be playing a video game at 31 years old. Like, what what am I doing? It's 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm just losing my mind because again, I'm just like you. We all have routines. And like when I say I wake up, I'll eat breakfast on this time, I'll do it like I lost that completely. It's wild. It's a wild experience to just be one day it's over. It it blows my mind when I watch athletes, especially athletes at a high level, that live their lives without a routine. Yeah, I don't. That's what blows my mind. And I know in my sport, there's a lot of guys that live their lives without a routine. I don't know how they do it. And if they got a routine, they wouldn't do well. No, they wouldn't. They probably, they absolutely not. No. no. So it's, a, that I know plenty of those guys. I'm, I don't know if I'd be jealous of them, but I'm, I'm against superstition too, by the way. Anybody that's listening to this podcast, I'm not talking about superstition, routine superstition, two different. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, that's a, <laughs> I, I'm jealous of guys that they could wake up and be like, yeah, I'm going to go hit a little bit today. I might go throw, I might not. Yeah. There's there's guys out there that can do it. They're just naturally gifted. And uh, I was always, I have to get this many ground balls in. It wasn't like wear my same socks or eat the same meal. It's like I like to eat at a certain time, which is fine. I, I like to take a certain amount of ground balls so my brain is understanding of what to do in certain spots. But it's uh, they're going to have an easier time when they're done with no routine. It's like, yeah, yeah. Hey, what? No joke. Whatever, let's... <laughs> yeah. Maybe outside of you know bull riding, there's not quite the money in it like you know baseball. So some of these guys live without a routine. They did it and at a high level, and now they're retired and they don't have a job. So now what do you do? <laughs> yeah, you gotta act. You gotta act quick. Yeah, act quick. Nice. Yeah. And then you, you put know, more pressure on yourself. Yeah, no, it's it's a little different though because a lot of guys in the rodeo world, you got to think they come from a you know, lifestyle or a generation that's got, you know, it may be second, third generation rancher or yeah. you know, kind of attached to these, you know, blue collar working jobs that, you know, it's not really a huge concern. Like I was going to, you know, be a construction worker regardless of whether I rode bulls. So, you know, like, you know, what I mean, a lot of that. Yeah, of course, of course. And some of them are lucky enough to go out there and, you know, it, it worked out and they, you know, made millions of dollars doing it, but Oh. Yeah. And it's, I, I think about a lot of my buddies, you know, maybe they didn't make it to the big leagues. They, they tried for six years. So when they're entering the real world, their biggest fear was I lost six years of experience in a job that would get me. So like a, a person my age is now working up to a, a partner or working up to wherever it's going to be They're They've already gone through the the headaches of finding a good fit for them. So their big problem was just putting too much pressure on himself. Like I said, just finding the right job and yeah. instead of just exploring. 
but some of them don't have that luxury and and they they'll do three jobs i think that the good part about it is athletes know what it takes to get to a certain level and they have a work ethic so if it, it's like all right i'm going to do this job it's not going to pay me enough i'm going to do lessons here i'm going to th- there's yeah. always if you don't overthink it you'll know that you'll the hard work ethic you can't teach so it's as long as you have that you're going to you, you you don't need as much time as you think you can just ease into it and work other things. And then something's going to come to you where you know that you have to put food on the table and, and you'll well, do anything. to prepare. People think that, you know, we've been taught and, you know, our educational system is taught that intellect is a, you know, important and valuable tool. Well, so yeah. is a work ethic. And I don't think it's taught enough. And I think work ethic is as valuable. And I, I agree. Um, yeah. I was blessed in, you know, I went with a veteran and I traveled with Matt Triplett and he's been to, you know, multiple world finals and uh, really been at the high level and competed for a world titles multiple years. And he told me, you know, a little bit earlier on, he said, hey, you need to be at least five years before you retire. You need to start and planning, you know, your exit so that you have time to where when that time comes, that can be as seamless as possible. And that's where, you know, me and Vinny, you know, what we're doing with Western edge, but I was just blessed to have a guy that had done that and said, Hey, you need to start planning now. You know, he's like, like I made a lot of money and it provided me with a lot of stuff, but I won't get that money when I'm done writing. So, you know, how do you, you know, use your money the right way and how do you invest your time the right way? I think is important. It's one of those things that I think, it'd be a great business to start up where you're preparing guys. I think the biggest thing that happened with me is I had all those educations from people that would come in. Hey, you got to start investing your money the right way. The money's great now, but eventually right. you know, you're going to be gone. You got to be ready for that. And it was people that maybe, I don't know if you don't, I didn't know them. They hadn't been through experiences that we've been through. So maybe I didn't trust them as much. And like starting up a company where it's you got guys from all different angles. You got guys that made millions and are broke. You got guys that um, didn't make millions, invested very well. You got guys that uh, made business deals with friends that didn't work out. Like it, there's so many things that athletes go through that if you hear it from an athlete, they may understand it quicker. Cause I, I know I made a lot of financial decisions that were terrible. So I could have been in a much better position when I was done retiring. And I heard the conversation maybe 150 times. Like yeah. It's just constant, <laughs> yeah. constant education on this is what you do. This is how we do it. This is what you should do. But I didn't trust the people that were talking to me. Yeah. And there's a lot of athletes that are in that situation. And it's when it hits then and you have a family, it's like, wow, I remember the 150 conversations that we had. I should have done it that way. But yeah, it's uh you, I don't know. It's it's always a, a thing. I I want to educate as many young kids as I can. As you can. Yeah. Hey, hold on one what? second. I gotta go use yep. the restroom real quick. I'll be right no, back. No problem. I, I might only have. Okay, no problem. I okay. only have like ten minutes. So okay, let's right. we'll, let's finish it up then. Yeah, we're we're good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll I'll throw a thing in there. Um, I yeah, definitely. I think you know the whole financial side. It's hard too. Like with bull riding, like what we're dealing with. You know, you have a lot of guys that you know. You know, they're the money's quick, and so it comes in, but yeah. you may not win every single weekend, and so you have a whole another element. Plus, you're dealing with a lot of guys where it's a young sport. Mm-hmm. So, 24 in bull riding is different than in baseball. You know, where a lot of guys are, um, you know, it's a 
really the it's getting better because people are taking care of their bodies better um you know but for the most part it's a young person sport and you really do have to know a person that if you're when i'm 22 and i just go win fourteen thousand dollars <laughs> I'm it's gone. It's gone in like you know you know a couple of months. you're not thinking about that properly and and i don't think out you a lot of guys won't listen too so like at that time Nothing I probably else. wouldn't have listened to somebody that wasn't in my shoes you know it's And I don't know why. I don't know why. yeah I wish it was different, but it's that's what everyone says. Like you don't like everybody no, I got no, I got money coming in and I got this. Uh, and then all of a sudden I get hit by you know, hit in the head, and I'm like, wow, I I don't have the money I thought was going to come in. well when No, you're it's... when you're 22 you're thinking you know the 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 phrase the more you spend the more you win that's what you're thinking <laughs> Yeah, that's very fair. it doesn't generally turn out you know and you tend to rely on the the times when it does turn out the right way and you're like yeah remember that one time Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> true. So true. So it's like the same. We're, yeah. I think any athlete that gets paid money in your brain, we're, in order for us to get to the highest level, we have to have some understanding of like, it's never going to stop. Like, I, I I don't care. I don't care what level they're at. Like I see him, he's, he's better than me now, but I'm going to be better than him. Like it's, that's, if you don't have that, you're not going to make it far. Right. So when it comes to money, it's like, well, you got to somehow turn that off a little bit Yeah. and be responsible. It's yeah, it's crazy. A lot of athletes are, it's like their biggest thing is how do I control what I can control now and be smart. Yeah. Yeah. And and then you got guys that had the big money that are like, hey, let's go to this dinner. Next thing you know, your your bill for one stick like five hundred bucks. Did I need that now? Need that And, now. and but like I I you do it for team bonding and You yeah, do it's it for pride. You know, yeah. I remember going, you know, going and you go to these nice restaurants with the guys that are just at the top and you're just, you don't have the money, but you're going to No. purchase that steak and you're going to get Oh. what everybody else got and nobody else knows it, but you're suffering at that table. <laughs> Exactly. No one exactly. I had a luckily my first rookie dinner, they they brought me in and we did like uh a sushi thing. The bill was like twenty one thousand dollars and then they're like hey rook it's it's on you i'm like Uh, like I, I gotta call my mom like what do i, I what am i gonna do what? <laughs> oh, let me call but the bank real quick. yeah yeah they already they already paid for it but they, they like brought me in. and then i'm gonna walk home i'm like what in the hell were those guys twenty one thousand dollars for sushi rolls some sake and something else? i'm like that's so crazy to me that Thank thankfully you. I paid for it but They like probably that they're did. Did they do this ever with you? I know, like, when we go as a group of guys. Like every once in a while, it's going to be a couple guys, and then everybody will throw in, and whoever loses, you know, has to pay for Yeah, the I'm entire oh, meal. I'm oh for six on on the on the credit card one. <laughs> I actually paid the six times I threw in, so then oh. I, I said no, I'm not doing it. You guys, you guys did it one time. I did it when I was in Dominican, and it was all our American guys, which there was eight of us, and then it just so happened all the girlfriends and wives were there. I'm like, oh, that's a so sixteen people. Wow,
If it would, uh-huh. but if it would have been me, I would have just, you know, just told yeah. them. Then, like, you know, guys, yeah, I, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah they would have been cool. They would have been just cool with it. Again, some other crazy things to have with that stuff. That's. But man, it's been awesome having you on here. I want to have you again. I, there's so much stuff that we could get into, and I, I got to ask you questions next because yeah. I am intrigued on what you guys go through. It's like it's tough for me to wrap my brain. I've gone to a rodeo event. I, I would, I did the Vegas one. I did you one did, okay. in, in Texas. It's one of the coolest sporting events I've been to. Like I different Vegas one was insane. Yeah. One in Texas was like um, one of your smaller ones, but I started to understand. Uh, I started to understand. I started to understand a little bit more. Like the riders drive out there; they're not guaranteed money. They're doing it all on their own. Like that for me was wild to think about. Yeah, it's all it's completely yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Well, and going back to the finances stuff, like that's where it becomes more important. You know, like yeah. it's all you have to manage your money so much more when you don't know whether you're going to be getting a check next week. <laughs> yeah, I know. And if we're about to travel to get out there, I'm sure that's not that's not cheap. So you know, you're looking, you're spending. You know, if you're flying, you're spending a thousand dollars a weekend. You know, at right. bare minimum, and that that's that's traveling very cheap. Right. You know, that's dirt cheap travel. So, but we, we generally get a bunch of guys. Like I, this is a van and I travel out of it and we'll get eight guys sometimes to jump in it. And, you know, it's pretty affordable, especially yeah. if you're going with guys that win. You know, I try not yeah. to go with guys that lose because then I start losing. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. <laughs> you go with guys that win, you start winning. <laughs> yeah, the, um, now I'm gonna ask the questions the next time because yeah. I want to get to know we'll, a little bit. We'll do more. we'll do like a two part series on this. We'll do like it. another one because there is a lot. And you're the first guy that's been outside of rodeo and stuff. And I grew up watching baseball and and all of that and you know, playing baseball and that's actually what I wanted to do for the longest time. And then, you know, I picked up bull riding by chance and ended up going that direction. So Yeah. I mean I rode a sheep at a, at a rodeo once and that I knew I couldn't be a rodeo guy. So I learned early. I was like five. Five, yeah, and they, that's funny. Yeah, and they had the kids out there, and I think it was yeah, it was a sheep. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. That'd be great. Yeah, heck yeah! All right, well, we'll have you again on sometime. Um, thanks everybody for tuning into the podcast. Make sure you stay, stay tuned. We'll do this one again. Awesome. Heck yeah, man! Right. Nice seeing you.